Hey friends, this is the Reverend Jack Alvey with my friend and co-host, the Reverend Josiah Ringers for This Anglican Life, a moderate voice for contentious times. We're glad you, we are glad you've joined us today. Today we have episode five, Advent. You know, Jack, I'm so delighted to be talking with you about this, and I'm so excited about Advent. I think this is my favorite season of the year. What image comes to your mind when we say Advent? I will concur with you that this is also one of my favorite seasons in the church year, Josiah. Uh, I would say the image that comes immediately to mind is driving down Main Street, where whatever Main Street is in your hometown, uh, to all the Christmas lights uh, that light up our city city skyline. And I say that, I know that's a heresy, I know that's terrible to say, um, because the Christmas lights uh, during Advent is just, uh, it's just despicable, right? Um, but it, it, it gives a great image of Advent, right? Advent happens during the darkest time of the year, during, um, during uh, winter. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, but when you go downtown, it's lit up. And so there's a sense of anticipation, there's a sense of joy, there's just a sense of excitement. So even though we sit in darkness, there's this light that, that shines, that gives us hope, that gives us excitement. And so I think that's that's what hey, it gives I like, me. I like that image. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it's heresy to put out your Christmas lights too early. I think it's delightful. I think that's hey, a we great got image. <laughs> that's a great way of understanding Advent. You know, we have all these seasons through the year. We have summer, fall, winter, spring. We have football season, basketball season. And in the church year, it begins with Advent. And we make a big deal about it in church, but it's not really big outside the church, right? You don't just like drive around town and people are like, you know, hanging huge Advent posters and signs and flags outside their businesses. Uh, But it's a big deal for us. It is the season of light, the season of growing light. And we use that imagery Mm. a lot. But this you used a word that I really like, and that's anticipation. I think there's something about our human nature that needs to anticipate. That really the anticipation mm-hmm. is, is what brings us the fullness of joy. And this is the season of that. It's fully experiencing God, fully experiencing all the emotions. And so I think about a couple images of anticipation. One image I have is um, of like my little kids, right? We play peekaboo all the time. I know you have little kids. I love it. Anybody who's ever spent time around like a two-year-old, you're playing peekaboo all the time, right? They just can't get enough. Or of one, it. it starts at I think it starts at ten months. But go okay, ahead. it starts at ten months. Maybe your children were advanced. Okay, but <laughs> but you play peekaboo, right? And like you're hiding behind the door, and you pop out, and you say peekaboo, and they laugh and giggle, and they do it again and again. But then I'll wait with my youngest daughter, right? She'll be expecting me to jump out, but then I wait too long. And then she starts to get excited. And then she starts to giggle. And then I wait a little extra too long, and she's just losing it. She can't handle it. It's so funny. She's just dying. And then when I finally pop out, she just squeals with delight. It's because of that anticipation, right? It's because, like, you know, it's like when you're falling in love for the first time, right? And you're about to go out on a date with a girl that you've admired for a long time. And let's say you're in middle school or high school. It's your first date. And you feel like your heart is beating out of your chest, right? I remember that feeling mm-hmm. of, of driving up to my first girlfriend's house and, you know, you're about to knock on the door and you feel like your heart is going to explode. It's just racing and you have all this energy and all this excitement and it's the anticipation. 
And that makes it so important and it makes it so wonderful. You know, this is the season when we're anticipating God coming into the world. And it fills us I, with such hope. I want to add an image. Okay, lay it on me. Since, since we're in the time of the season of football, um, really the season of playoffs at this point, but it's sort of like watching a hype video before a big game. Like, you know, now with <laughs> now with the internet, now we have the internet, and so you get it, you know, on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot. But when you're actually at the game, they have, like, hype videos to get you excited about about the game, and that sort of awakens your senses uh, to, to get ready, to be prepared. And so... Um, you're, like you're talking about the heart beating out of the chest, you're, you're, you're just ready to giggle, you're ready to scream, you're ready to yell. It gets you ready. And so I think Advent is sort of like that is like a hype video for Christmas. It, it, so, it, so what it you're prepares saying, Jack, you. So what you're saying, Jack, is instead of saying slow down, quiet, it's Advent, we should say turn on ACDC, let's get pumped. <laughs> Something Advent. like that. I mean, it's not like Advent is not like sitting and waiting in the doctor's office quietly. Well, can I, with a bunch can of I extend people. that metaphor? It's, can I extend that metaphor? Like, uh, absolutely. if you've been to an Alabama football game, you know what happens in the fourth quarter, right? Every, I said, mm-hmm. let's get crazy. Let's get loud. Everyone throws up four yeah. fingers. Everybody's shouting and screaming. And the point is that, like, this is it. Like, this is the time when we have to put all, lay, leave it all on the field. This is the time when you should be most exhausted, but this is the time because of our training, because of our pre- preparedness, we're going to really come out and be the strongest we've been yet this whole game. And in a funny way, that really coincides with Advent, because we begin Advent by saying, the end is nigh. We begin with the readings where Jesus says, hey, listen, guys, the end is close. Like, I will come back again. It will be, and, and create a whole new world, like the Son of Man will be coming on the clouds. Jesus, in a way, is saying, guys, this is the fourth quarter, and it's not the time to lay down and give up. This is the time to get pumped. This is the time to get ready. This is the, the final countdown, and uh, so let's get crazy. Is that is that the final countdown? I think we need to insert the Rocky theme song right now. <laughs> you know, Isn't that right? Yeah, the final countdown. Well, you know, yeah. I live in Homewood, Alabama, and uh, anybody who lives in Homewood knows you're driving down Lakeshore, and there's a guy on the weekends who has a sign that he carries around. And as a matter of fact, he puts out a dozen signs and uh, say, like, honk if you know Jesus, pull over if you don't. And, uh, and he's out there with a the megaphone all weekend just yelling, you know, the end is nigh. The end is nigh. And in a funny way, that's what Jesus tells us in the scriptures this week, right? He's saying the end mm-hmm. is nigh. What do you think about that, Jack? The end is nigh. The beginning of the end, the end of the beginning. Uh, <clears throat> it certainly puts a paradox on things. Um, here we have the beginning of the church year, but we're already preparing for, for the end. And I think basically... What the church here does, it's all about preparing us to receive the kingdom of heaven. It's all about preparing us to see the new world that Christ is ushering in um, through his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. So we church, start the church year by sort of marking this commitment to to stop living in this world, to stop living in the kingdoms of this world, not like physically, but um, ultimately physically, but but really about putting an end to our allegiances to the kings of this world, to the leaders of this world, and pledge allegiance to Christ the King, which was the Sunday we celebrated this past Sunday. And when we do that, we are, we're putting an end to 
um, our faith in this world and making a new beginning to our faith in the world that that, that Jesus is ushering in. No, that's so I a think good that's point. how I see it. I really like that that we're we're transferring our faith from kings or politicians or governments. We're we're transferring our faith back to God, who is and that's ultimate. really easy to do right now. <laughs> it's always been easy, right? Well, Jack, so that is Advent. Advent is the season of light. It's a season of preparation, a season of anticipation, and ultimately the season of of awaiting Christ's return, that we wait for it, hopefully, expectantly. You know, I had a, uh, a friend who was a Baptist minister, and the first time we met, we sat down together for a hamburger, and he said, well, so what do you think about the end times? And I really wasn't ready for that. I was thinking he'd ask me more like, so where are you from? But he said, well, what do you think of the end times? <laughs> and I said, well, we await it with great hopefulness and expectation, right? We're excited yeah. about it. We're excited for Christ to return. Because we don't believe it's a, tile, a time of trial and tribulation. We believe right now is the time of trial and tribulation. We're living in the bad times. But when Christ yeah. returns, we believe that will be the, the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. It's good. It's amazing. It's exciting. And we wait for that. So that's all the season of Advent. What's your what's your dispensational theology? Exactly. Pre millennial, post millennial, exactly. millennial. I'm trans millennial, <laughs> and so you know, we we have an understanding of why Advent, but how did we get to Advent? Let's talk about mm. the history just for a minute because I know you're a big okay. history nerd, as am I. I love history. Yeah, I love it. I, so. I think this is the part if if you want to take a short nap. No, no, this is the time right to now. get this time to stay woke. This is the good stuff. Keep awake. Keep awake, people. So, Jack, lay it on me. Why do we okay. celebrate Advent? Well, I'm, I'm going to just sort of set you up, Josiah. That's what I do. I, I, I just tee you up, and you can just knock a 320-yard drive down the middle of the fairway. I love it. How about it. that? I love it. All right. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up. So, you know, for the first several centuries of Christianity, uh, a lot of how they observed Christianity was done in the dark because there wasn't really a... Um, uh, well-connected network. I mean, not that it didn't exist. They were underground and they had signs and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't really get you a, get a chance to be, become more of a consensus worldwide. But once the Holy Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire under Constantine, that's when you sort of had these councils, these groups started, started to meet to talk about what do we believe. You had the Nicene Creed, you have the canonization of scripture, and then you start, you know, evolving towards a more, um, uh, the tradition of the church become more evident, uh, particularly in how we worship. Um, and so seasons like Advent and all those things began to develop. But Josiah is going to get into the specifics <laughs> and, and talk about, you know, like how, how does the Council of Tours play into this? This and, gets me fired and, up. This gets me yeah. so excited in life. So the church for the first 300 years grew at a rate of 3%. So it's not like a huge amount, right? 3% just steady every year, just gaining a little bit more momentum. But for the first 300 years, that was steady, that was good, and something just rocked the universe, right? A lightning bolt. When Constantine became emperor of the Roman Empire, he declared that Christianity would become the official state religion. Who convinced him to do that, though? Well, ultimately Jesus Christ, right? Well, what earthly influence? Probably his mother, Helena. His mama. <laughs> Probably his mama, Helena. His mama, Helena, 
was uh, an early convert to Christianity way before him, and, and she actually traveled to the Holy Land and said things like she discovered the true cross, which was probably not true. But anyway, we owe a lot to her. And um, Yeah, listen to your mama. Listen to your mothers. So Constantine became the emperor, and he was really um, excited. You know, he said he had a vision of Jesus Christ leading him into battle before a decisive victory. He said, boom, everyone's Christian. Well, that launched a whole series of issues because there had been all these separate groups around the world. And they had a lot in common, but also some things that they had in difference. So they had to decide, well, what are our core beliefs? What are the our battle creeds? of the heresies? We had battles of heresies. Man, we had Saint Nicholas of Myra, Turkey, punch out, you know, Arius on the on the floor of the Senate. And all kinds yeah. of exciting things. Well, <laughs> in the in five hundred, in the year five hundred thirty one, they called a council at a place called Tours. And that I was, was five sixty seven. You know what? You're thinking of the that's exactly right. <laughs> in 567, <laughs> they had the yeah. Council of Tours, and in that they declared a time of observation and fasting as we prepare for the season of Christmas, as we prepare for, for Christ, we're going to observe uh, fasting. And fasting really orients our bodies, our bellies, our minds back towards God. Now, can, I, can, I, can I make a comment on that? Yeah, tell me. It, and it, and it, it awakens our senses to what we long for. Like when you don't have food, when you're fasting, you're like, wow, I really do enjoy eating. I do enjoy food. It's good. And so that sort of translates into this awakening our senses to goodness to come into our lives. Exactly. It really creates space for us. But it also, it also tempts us to eat cheap carbs. <laughs> or maybe it uh, makes us aware of all the cheap carbs we do eat and uh, right. refocuses us. Well, so on, on the on the lean protein. That was a lightning bolt time period. That was the time period when Pope Gregory the Great was in office, and he was just great a fantastic man. pope who created a lot of really great theology. He was great. He was amazing, and um, so around the five hundreds, that was a really big moment in Christian history. And another really huge moment uh, we revisit begins in the thirteenth, in the thirteen hundreds and fourteen hundreds, uh, in Italy. That's at the very beginning of what would become the Renaissance, right? This is the time where we've, we've had crusades, they've been fighting, we've ended the Middle Ages, and we're about to usher in a new cultural time of, of really enlightenment, of, of art, of theology, of philosophy, of education. Like the whole world is transforming. There's a pope named Pope Urban V. Now, Pope Urban V was a really awesome guy. He's really um, just kind of epic in his own way. He was, at this time, there's actually two popes. There's two rival popes. There's one in mm -hmm. Avignon, France, and there was one in Rome. And pope, who was the true pope? Well, that was the question. Who is the true pope? Pope Urban V was the last and final pope of Avignon, France. But he got together an army and went down, invaded Rome, and took back control and there are kings being crowned across Europe, there are wars being fought, and there are wars being fought uh, in, in the cities of Rome in the 1300s. And so it was exciting. It was like all kinds of wonderful things, interesting things, diabolical things, uh, uh, violent things are happening. And Pope Urban V just said, folks, we need 
to fast. You know, we just went through yeah. a lot. We just had a major battle. He said, I declare by papal uh, fiat that you must observe Advent. The everyone, like, boom, everyone's going to fast. He was a Benedictine. And Benedictines, Benedictine well, monks were hardcore anyway. Do you want to hear a terrible joke? Lay it on me. What's the difference between a Benedictine and a Jesuit? What's that? When a, big t- uh, when a Benedictine goes to confession, he asks, uh, is it okay if I smoke while I pray? The father says no. A Jesuit goes and says, is it okay if I pray while I smoke? So, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. Is that the but whole dude, joke? Shh, that's it. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to laugh at that. I'm point. not even sure that's a joke. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But, um, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just meditate on it. I'll think about it. Well, since then, we've observed Advent as part of the church liturgical calendar. As a, as a matter of fact, we think this is the beginning of the new year. This is when everything starts. It starts... And Advent used to not end until Epiphany, which is January 6th. It used to go all the way through Christmas. Yeah, and Christmas was just like a feast day. Now it's a season. But anyway, continue. Well... Listen, it's a multi-sensory experience going to church. If you're an Episcopalian, we're going to get you every which way, right? When you look out, you see lights and candles. You see vibrant colors. When you listen, you hear music and singing and choirs of angels. When you smell, you smell... um, There are the bells. There are the church bells. That's what I'm saying. When you smell, you smell the incense rising up, carrying our prayers to heaven. And, uh, and certainly, really? even with our, our taste buds, we taste, you know, the bread and the wine, and they connect us to God. So, what 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 colors might you find in St. Thomas, Birmingham, during the season of Advent? Well, so the, the colors change because of Advent. It gives us a visual clue that there's something new and different going on. So, at our church, we use a blue. Traditionally, we're supposed to, we use dark colors to represent uh, heaviness, the heaviness and the weight of the season. We traditionally use the color purple to represent the kingship, the kingship of of God. At one point, Lent was observed, or Advent was observed with black. Black, because it's penitential, right? Why did, why, why are we changing to blue? I mean, and don't give me a soft answer. I want, I want the real answer. Well, it's called sarin blue, because it calls Serum. from Salisbury, England. Because go. years ago, Salisbury, England produced a new color, and maybe that was just like the color they had on sale that month, or maybe they just like <laughs> were able to produce a magnificent blue that no one else had ever produced before, and they were offering their very best to God. But it took, and it was pretty exciting. And so, from Salisbury, England, we originated as the Church of England, Right, we took that, we adopted it into our own self, and uh, and many churches still use blue. What color do you use, Jack? We actually use blue. Uh, a very generous parishioner brought us a, a new set of blue. Um, I, I do think it's important to remember why we actually use blue. Um, and one of the things the church likes to do is we have some like practical uh, thing that we do in church that has like no theological weight attached to it but then over over time we attach theological weight to it like the candles on the altar like originally they were just there to give light because there was no electricity but then we started to name the candles and what they meant and the epistle side and the gospel side and so theology develops over the years not to say it doesn't it's not important but it anyway so 
in the same way, blue has come to evolve into a meaning. Uh, not ne- well, that wasn't necessarily the original meaning, but you do have blue to sort of, you talked about the contrast between heaviness and light. I mean, I, I do think Advent um, is more of a joyful anticipation. So it's lighter. It's, 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 more, it's more joyful. It's more exciting. And so that, that's a way to distinguish between Lent, the heavier season. Um, but you also, you know, people might throw out blue is representative of the Virgin Mary, right? And, and she waited in joyful anticipation for the coming of her son, who was the Lord and Savior of all. As and so you can fact, add... If, when you look at most uh, Renaissance paintings, you see that the Virgin Mary is depicted wearing a very light blue, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of her color, especially in Da Vinci paintings. Well, Jack, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where you said... And we say this phrase a lot in the church, that doctrine follows practice. That Mm. everything in the church has a practical reason for its beginning. And then over time, we kind of lay theology and doctrine on top of that for the reasons why we wear white That's the Anglican way. That's the Anglican way, right? And and for having reeds and having decorations and garlands, right? They all began with a very practical sense, a very practical um, way of decorating the church. But over time, we, we now decorate the church with wreaths and garlands to represent kind of the ever-living nature of God because they're mm. ever-living trees, right? They're coming from these branches of trees that, that don't ever lose their needles, you know, these evergreens. Well, now what we have in the church are these evergreen wreaths where we put the candles that represent to us the light of God, and we have three blue candles that maybe represent the Virgin Mary, and we have one pink candle. Why do we have a pink candle? Well, that actually is a mirror. We're sort of mirroring uh, a Sunday that happens in Lent. The fourth Sunday of Lent is uh, called Rose Sunday. It's sort of a Laudate sort of, Sunday. Yeah, you can say that too. Um, <clears throat> it's sort of you know Lent being a heavy season. It sort of it, it sort of gives you a break. I think some people say you can break your fast on that day. It sort of breaks it up a little bit. Um, and so we have sort of the same ethos in. Uh, the Sunday for um, the third Sunday in, in Advent, which we is call called Gaudete Sunday. Yeah, Gaudete right. is Latin for rejoice. Rejoice, because that's the the reading we read and observe on the third Sunday of Lent is rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Yep. Do you have pink vestments? You know, we do not have pink vestments. I don't either. Uh, I was at a church once that did have pink vestments. And oh, really? if you have a pink vestment, you're spo- you're allowed to wear it on Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, or Laudete Sunday, which is the third Sunday of, of Lent, Advent and then Lent. And then you're also allowed to wear it during the feast days of Mary. But I really? was at a church where they would wear it on Mother's Day, which wow. I, I wasn't sure if I loved or found it completely absurd, because it's not yeah, part I'd of our tradition. Yeah, but it does make sense. Although we don't typically wear colors to observe certain days like that, you know, Mother's Day is not a feast day. Although we do love and celebrate our mothers. Interesting. Moving on. Neither here nor there. Well, Jack. Okay, now we know why Advent. Tell me, what can people do in your parish, or in my parish? What can people do to observe a holy Advent? 
There are a lot of things, that, a lot of spiritual aids that the church produces for us to, to observe this wonderful season. On Sunday here at St. Paul's, a group of people gather to, to make Advent wreaths. Uh, those wreaths have four candles uh, on the outer rim. Uh, we use blue. Some people use purple uh, to, to, to signify the, the color of the season. Uh, and each candle represents the Sundays, the weeks during Advent. And so you light the first candle for the first week. You say some prayers. You can say the collect for Advent in the um, Book of Common Prayer. You can use the service of light or a service of evening devotion to sort of um, for that lighting of that candle. Um, so that could be done sort of as a personal piety. It's right there on your dining room table. So around all your Christmas decorations, you're sort of drawn back to what the church is calling us to do to sort of anticipate that season. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have Advent calendars. So, you know, some people, um, you know, there's a, there's a word for a day. Uh, I think there's a Facebook word for the day and you're supposed to post a picture for the word. You can just type in Advent Word Episcopal and you'll find it and um, you can sign up to follow other people and that sort of thing. And it, it, it's meant to, like the wreaths, to open your eyes to the, the Advent of our Lord in our lives. It sort of, it orients your senses, it frames your, your lenses to see um, how, the, how the Lord will break, in and break into your life at any time, at any moment, right? And unpredictable moments. Uh, keep awake, for you ne- you neither know the day or the hour, right? And that's exactly that's, a, that's right. another way that we can observe this this season of Advent. Whatever you do, it's all about uh, sort of reorienting yourself towards um, towards the King, the newborn King. Exactly. Those are all good things. There's a lot of wonderful, unique ways. Obviously, um, like you mentioned, we have calendars and. You know, of course, we at my house we get our children the chocolate calendars. Advent today, we oh yeah, that and eat a chocolate or have a little present every day to kind of see uh, and just create awareness in your life. But yeah. you know, we also at our church have something called the we Masada. have a Nutcracker calendar. You have a Nutcracker calendar where there's a different Nutcracker every day. Yeah, and Mary Catherine loves it. We observe a Mexican tradition called the Posada, where we, we have Mary and Joseph. And they go around town, and there's a different family who has to take Mary and Joseph every day, uh, leading up through the entire season. So it involves a lot of families, at least 30 families, uh, mm-hmm. leading up to Christmas, because it's like the travel of Mary and Joseph to uh, to Bethlehem. And so it's kind of neat, kind of fun, kind of gives a good experience. We, we, we do the same thing, and uh, we, we put... You know, books books in the basket so kids can read the you know the stories and prayers and and all that kind of thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were on the schedule and I guess we misinterpreted the calendar, and um, the Holy Family spent the night on our front porch. On the front porch? Oh no! But it was kind of appropriate, right? Well, it wasn't the first time they had to spend the night outside. Yeah, that's but they were sure. fine. They were fine. They're fine. Well, Jack, it sounds like we pretty much covered our bases for Advent, and uh, yeah, it's great. I'm excited. You know, it's a season where in the secular world we're, we're cleaning out our closets, bringing down our winter clothes, putting up our summer clothes. We're uh, pulling out our trees. At least in Alabama. Pulling out lights. We are uh, getting out our, our winter toys and decorations. And to me, it's getting pumped. It's getting excited. It's turning on ACDC and blasting it through the house. It's saying, let's get pumped because Jesus Christ is coming. Let's get loud. And so uh, I encourage everybody who's listening to this to be excited, to, to find a practice that works for you and for your family, 
find something you can do to really observe the season well, whether that's slowing down and being more quiet or speeding up and getting a little bit louder, whether it's doing something online or taking pictures or simply uh, opening a calendar and eating a chocolate every day, that you can do something to make this a little bit more special and go just a little bit deeper. Yeah, and don't do something just to do something. Do something to orient your being towards, towards Jesus. Towards Jesus, that's right. Well, Jack, it, as always, is a pleasure. We want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, The Abbey, our Episcopal coffee shop here in Birmingham, Alabama. We're always thankful for their support, for their goodies, for their hot coffee, and, uh, and their warm grace, uh, the love of Jesus Christ that you get every time you walk through the doors. We're thankful for The Abbey. We hope you can stop by and have a cup as well if you're passing through. Awesome. Awesome. Josiah, hey, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, tell your family hello. Tell Naomi that Mary Catherine misses her, and they need to get get up soon. And Jack, please, please go and work on your Jesuit and Benedictine jokes. Hey, that was hey, you know, I, I'm sorry that went over your head. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.